0: Well, without any further uh, delay, I'd love to introduce you the speaker. This guy, his name's Jose. He has been a founding member of our board of directors. So from the beginning of Park Hill, his wisdom and spiritual maturity and his experience as an evangelist, he's going to tell you a little, bit, a little bit. He was one of like Luis Palau's understudies slash sons in the faith. And so he traveled a bunch with Luis Palau, who recently passed away Um and Jose was part of the team that birthed Park Hill on the organizational side. But he's not just an organizer, he's a, a, a entrepreneur, a visionary church planter. He pastors a church in Portland now from the family that planted us. So uh, please welcome Jose Zayas. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Sandy. It's so good to be, uh, good to be with you. And if you're watching online, uh, welcome. Uh, My name is Jose. I I live in Portland. I'm originally a New Yorker, so it's just good to be in the sun with you because right now we're still in the clouds up up north. Well, um, we're one year in. I was thinking about Easter coming up for you and for all of us next week. Last year for us, Easter was all digital, all online. We were at the beginning of what's now been a a year-long global experiment. In life, right? And we're all still wrestling with the realities of slow reopenings and starts and stops. And so, you know, we're all trying to make sense of it. But the the challenge with that is if we're not careful, all we'll really hear, all we'll really listen to, all we'll really live into will be negative news, right? Negative news followed by negative news, and yeah, there are challenges, and if you're suffering right now because of what COVID has done to your business or life or family, we feel that together, but at the same time, there's a lot of good things happening, and so I want to start with that, and then we're going to continue in the series in First Corinthians and read First Corinthians 15. Um, Tori's story Tori is a part of our our church we as part of the way we do our rhythms we do uh, baptisms on the first Sunday of every month and so it was right before covid you know started to break out February into early March and we had people signed up to be baptized and then we open it up because you never know when someone might be ready to respond and trust and so so at the end of the people lining up to be baptized, A lady that I knew from a distance, uh, Tori, she came up, spoke with our elders, had a chance to share her story. And she was the final person. Everyone erupted in just joy and rejoicing over Tori's expression of this public faith in Jesus. But we were all a little surprised because Tori's been a part of the church for years. And I know her and her family. And I talked to her afterwards and said, well, give me a little bit on what was going on. And her story is so informative. It's so helpful because the more I travel and the more I talk with people, her story is becoming more of what I would think is the common story for so many of us, maybe even some of you here this morning. Uh, She grew up in a home that wasn't Christian, but it it was decent, it was good, it was moral, and so in one sense, she wasn't something else. She wouldn't call herself a Christian, but she was very open to it. Maybe she would call herself spiritual. And so in college, she ended up falling in love, meeting a, a, a guy, Zach, who is a Jesus follower. And part of their love story was to get married. And she started her career, and they had their first child. And part of his tradition was going to church, so she just fell into that. And he would read the Bible, and she would look at the Bible a little bit and learn and grow and try to be good in all those things. But for months, creeping up to this day where she was baptized right before we had to shut the doors of the church, she had this gnawing thing within her, maybe you've experienced it, that it's just not right. She kept hearing the message, hearing the scriptures, hearing about Jesus, and it finally dawned on her that she does listen and like Jesus, but isn't actually following She's not following in in practice. I mean, her husband is and her extended family are, but she's not. And she had seen a baptism a month prior and thought, I need to do that, and then shrunk back. And finally, she took her stand. Well, she shared her story on Christmas uh, to our whole church community uh, via video about how her life had changed. And that moment of baptism, that moment of public expression of saying, I'm not trusting myself to get right with God. I'm trusting that Jesus, what he did on the cross and in the resurrection, he, he did it for me. And, and I'm confessing, honestly, I'm not worthy of it, but I'll gladly receive the gift of life she said because it happened right before the lockdown with all that was going on in the year up leading up to Christmas, she said that, that it really changed the dynamic. And she can't imagine having not taken that step before this worldwide mess. Well, I'm in a community group with uh, Tori and Zach and her, her family, and her, the growth in her life has been obvious. And it's been a crazy year, but we need to remind ourselves Jesus is still changing lives, He still is. And the hope for us as we read into the text in 1 Corinthians is we won't miss in the business of life and in the weirdness of the season, the main thing. Well, why don't you just turn in your Bible if you have it or your app or your phone to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's just read the text. We're going to look at one thing, drill it down, think about it, talk about it, and then three implications on what this could mean for me and could mean for you. 1 Corinthians 15.1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. Verse 3. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. And then to the 12, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, for I, Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles, don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you have believed. Okay, so if you've been tracking with the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 has been talking about how how we grow in living the way of love. A love that's not self-centered, a love that's sacrificial, a love that's not dependent on what other people do in response to how we live towards them. And the end of the conversation was about these spirituals. the the coming of the Holy Spirit and the gift who is the Spirit who expresses his love and God's love in all sorts of ways. And you looked at tongues and prophecy as just two of the many ways that that God is trying to show his love to the world through us. But then Paul has to step back and say to the church, like, I think it's good for us to say in the middle, especially leaning in towards Easter week, what is the gospel? What is it actually? I'm just curious— uh, your opinion on that. You're going to have to shout a little louder because of the distance, but give me one little short line, one statement, one word. When I say the gospel, what does that mean to you? What is the gospel? Anyone? Good news of Jesus Christ. Anyone else? You just nailed it. Thank you for taking everyone's glory. We appreciate you. You yeah, have the good news of Jesus. Now, in the middle of a conversation about how they're going to be useful as a community and how we're going to be useful to God in this season, sharing good news with people, he has to tell them the good news, which is gospel in the text, simply means glad tidings, good news. We think that Paul's picking this up from the culture because in their day, and if you've been around church, you've heard this before, gospel wasn't a word that the church made up. It was a word that was used to announce something important. In their day, when a new Caesar was born, they would send messengers out. There was no digital space. They would send people from town to town to announce a gospel. And it was the good news, in their case, of the birth or a wedding or a military victory. People needed to know and hear something significant had happened. And so for us, friends, I just want you to write down one line, and I'm going to drive it home. We're going to look at it word by word. When we think of what it means to follow Jesus and to be people who embrace the gospel, write this down. The good news is the message of God's rescue in Jesus the Messiah. Let me repeat it. The good news is the message of God's rescue In Jesus, the Messiah. Now, in our culture, there are all sorts of opinions about what the gospel is and isn't. But when I look at this text, I can narrow it down to that one line. The good news is the message of God's rescue. Now, who does the rescue? It's in Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? Well, to Paul and to the early church leaders, they realize he is God's Messiah. Now, let's start with this. The good news is a message. It's an announcement by nature, friends. We need to remember this, especially if you grew up in the faith and and following Jesus as part of your long story and going to church and being a part of a community group. We need to remember this isn't just for us The good news is by its nature an announcement. It's a a message. It's not not a myth. It's not a tale. It's not a story in the sense of Harry Potter or Marvel. It's it's a real action by God to, to bring his people back. And we need to embrace the fact that following Jesus means that we're called into this beautiful tradition, this beautiful art, this beautiful experience of embodying the good news, receiving it, but then sharing it. And I think of this Easter season just as a tip as you pray this week, as you fast this week. Let's not just do it for our own growth. Let's just not do it for our own transformation. Wouldn't it be great if all of us together sacrificed, took a step back. I'm gonna say no to a meal because I'm concerned that there are people in my city who've not embraced the good news. I'm fasting and I'm praying because, God, I I want this Easter week. I want this Good Friday and this Easter Sunday to be about not just an experience for me, but wouldn't it be great if there were more Tories, so to speak, more people who, who not just heard the good news, but took action, and so the good news is a message. And that's the good news of what, though? It's the good news of, um, of God's rescue. The word Christ here simply is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. And friend, if you've, if you've read the whole storyline of the Bible from the beginning, from Genesis and from creation to the creation of Adam and Eve and to their fall and their sin and everyone after them, the storyline of the Bible has been about God's rescue. It's been about God finding people where they're at and bringing them back, providing a way for them to experience the full life, the life that God intended, the life that God made us for. And the good news is a message. It's an announcement. It must be shared. People need to hear it, wrestle with it, think about it, ask questions, dig into it, because this announcement is about a messenger, the Christ, Jesus is the one the whole storyline of the Bible has been leading to, to. All of the Bible is one unified story leading us to Jesus. And, and Jesus' rescue is because he is God's Messiah. Now, what does God's Messiah do? Verse 3, what do we learn about Jesus? He, he gives them the tradition. This is what had been passed on. This is probably one of the earliest portions of all of Scripture that we have written. This was the early testimony of Jesus' people. Verse three, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and then he goes on to list. He he wasn't just raised, but he was seen. He was seen by a few people. He was seen one-on-one. He was seen by a group of 500 or more. This is really important. This This isn't a myth. This isn't a legend. What is Paul saying? The good news is an announcement of God's rescue. We need to remember that. Well, what's the rescue all about? You can summarize everything he just wrote in this one line. Jesus died and rose again to save sinners. And now this is important that when we think about how to live the way of love, we remember that the reason that this group in Corinth and we as God's people now 2,000 years later, the reason we've been invited into it is because we've recognized that at one point that there is a God and he, he does want to know us, but there's something keeping us from this God, and it's our sin. And Paul is emphatic. The heart of our message isn't just that Jesus came to teach a better way, although he did. It isn't that Jesus teaches a greater vision on how to make the most of your life, although he does. He didn't come to just model sacrifice and caring for others, although absolutely that is the way of Jesus. The heart of Jesus's mission, though, was to die and rise again to pay for sin. So the, the good news in one sense today is really offensive at its heart, and because it's hard to tell people. I don't know if you've had that experience of trying to, you know, share your faith with someone. And it gets down to the issue of need. Well, why do I need anyone to do anything for me? I'm, I'm fine all by myself. And frankly, what does Jesus dying 2,000 years ago on a cross in Israel have to do with me and and my life? Can I just look within? Can I just rise up? Can I find the the secrets or tap into the potential that's already in me? And the heart of the good news is that Jesus Christ came to, to pay for our rebellion, which implies we've rebelled. And again, not that we want to be an offensive people. We want to share the way of love, the way of Jesus. But the, but the Bible story, to our story has got to be told. Uh, there's so much good in us. There's so much value in us. There's so much worth in us. But at the same time, let's confess. Let's be honest. It's been tainted All of us have been greedy where we could have been generous. Instead of loving someone sacrificially, carefully, other-centered, we've all lusted, we've all used and abused, we've all taken what's not ours. All of our stories are filled with a trail of sin, and that sin, is it's tainted everything. So even the good things I'm trying to do, if you really look at my track record, there are motivations that are just not right. And so the Bible's really clear that Everyone's sinned. Everyone's fallen short of God who's glorious. But the, but the good news is that God knows of our sin. And even before we started our track record, he wanted to provide a way. And so Jesus is, is the sent one who is sent to rescue. And he can uniquely do it. I, I had a tragedy happen in my life, and the story breaks down. So don't take it literally, like, word by word, line for line, from the meaning I'm trying to imply But it was a tragedy when I was 11 years old. I had a good friend, Jeff, and Jeff was a great athlete, basketball player, track star. He was going to go off to college on a scholarship. It was right after his senior year. I was just 11. And we were living in New York. None of us had a pool, but we went to a community pool. To make a long story short, I watched my friend Jeff drown. I mean, an incredible athlete in totally perfect shape. We don't even know how it happened, but in this large crowded pool, Jeff sunk to the bottom. By the time the lifeguards jumped in to to resuscitate him to bring him out, he had been in for minutes. And so they pulled him out and everyone swarms. And I'm standing there as a kid thinking, how could this how could this happen? But I learned something. The 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 lifeguards were trained, they were they were diligent. They jumped in. They pumped. They tried to get the water out of his lungs. They tried to resuscitate him for 15 to 20 minutes. They tried, but by the time the paramedics came, that he was already pronounced dead. in in order In order to in order to rescue, a lifeguard has to be willing and able to save. Right? It's possible for the lifeguard to be willing to jump in to try but they may not have the ability. It might be too late. There are things that are out of their control. So a human lifeguard has to be both willing and and able to do something, right? And so this is, I think, the uniqueness of Jesus that we get to lovingly share with people. God is willing. God is loving. God is willing. God is both willing and in Jesus is able. Because how are we with all of our taintedness going to stand in the presence of an absolutely pure and holy God. We can't. We'd be crushed. But, but Jesus, the Son, is in the Father's presence because he's holy and pure and love. And so God in his mercy comes in his Son, Jesus being both willing and able. He can, he can stand in our place. Jesus died and rose again to rescue people with sin. This is good news. This isn't bad news. This is glorious news. And my friend, this is the news of the Messiah. This is the news we need to remember. This is the news that Tori had heard for months and months and months, but it didn't come home until one moment where she had the aha she had that aha moment. Well, you know what? It's not enough for my husband to, to follow Jesus and to, to be rescued. It's not enough for all these people I go to church, church with. Uh, there's my brokenness and my sin. And the good news is that Tori opened her life. She received Jesus Christ, and, and she's a changed person. So I thank God for that. Now, that is the good news. It's a message of God's rescue, and God's rescue is specific. It's in his son, Jesus. Now, I want us to take the rest of our time, though, because I think many of us, we've heard that and we know that. We might not, though, have thought through the implications. If, if Paul's saying, this is the message, Jesus died and rose again to rescue sinners. This is the message of rescue and good news. What are we supposed to do? At least three, write them down, and maybe in your community group or with your spouse or friend or flatmate, Think these through. Number one, write it down. The good news is an invitation to respond. It's an invitation to respond. Verse two, by this gospel you are rescued. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise, notice, you have believed in vain. Verse 11, whether then it is I or they, this is what we preached and this is what you have Believe, the good news is something that's shared, but it needs to be acted on. It's an an invitation to respond. Now, what do I mean, though, by believe? I think when we say the word believe, we have all sorts of thoughts. But in the Bible, especially in this text, believe means to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of someone's trust. So to believe in Jesus is to say more than a few facts like, okay, he was a human and he did some good things, and and yes, I believe he's a a real person. That's not enough. To believe in, in 1 Corinthians 15 language is to believe that someone is trustworthy, that this Jesus is who he says who he is and therefore worthy of me trusting him. You could You could translate it this way. I'm reminding you of the good news of Jesus, our rescuer, that was announced to you, and you received Jesus as trustworthy and worthy of your absolute trust. Lots of people are enamored by Jesus. And I think this is where, especially as our culture shifts and moves further and further away from even thinking about scripture, about the teachings and the way of Jesus, and goes into our own exploration, we need to be reminded that belief is based on fact. Jesus is who he says he is, and therefore he's worthy to be trusted, which is why I want to invite every one of us, as part of our response this morning, to take your next step what's your next step in following Jesus? Like, I can't answer that for you, but certainly by being here this morning, all of us can take one movement towards Jesus. And for you, that may be actually to believe, to put your trust that what Jesus did, he did not just for the world, but he did for you. Second implication, write this down. The good news is a message we ought we ought to share. It, It certainly, it it deserves a response, but it's something we ought to talk about. Those same two verses, uh, verse 2 and verse 11. This is the hold you held firmly to the word, I preached to you. Verse 11, this is what we preach. Preach isn't what I'm doing right now with a microphone and chairs and rows. Preach is simply to announce. It's to go somewhere and say something meaningful And so Paul, wherever he went, whether it was one-on-one or to a large group of people, part of his following of Jesus, part of his following the way of Jesus, was was passing on what he had received. And so I'm just curious, if you consider yourself a a follower of Jesus, do you see this as your joy? Not as a have-to not as a got to, but as a get to. As something that that you've been given. It's by grace that Paul and you and I have been rescued. But do you see this passing on to the news as part of your life? Let me tell you why this matters. Um, Evan had mentioned Luis Palau, a dear friend of Evan's and mine. He, he went to be with Jesus at age 86. He was my mentor for 27 years. I traveled the world with him. But it's interesting, how did Luis Palau become a spokesperson to share good news with multiple millions of people, hundreds of millions by media? How did it happen? Well, it happened actually, him living in Argentina in in an obscure little little village out of Buenos Aires. And it was a business person. It was a British oil executive who had been transferred to Argentina for work. But you know what this person did? He went on the evenings and weekends and out of love, no one told him to, out of love, he would go into the community and knock on doors and ask if they had a Bible. That was his entree. And if they didn't have a Bible, he provided one for free and willing, he was willing just to listen to their story. And it's because of this British oil executive, Luis Palau's mom and dad became Jesus followers because of his witness. Well, then Luis started to hear the good news. His father ended up passing away when he was 10 years old. And he began to wonder about his own life. By 12 years old, uh, Luis Palau went to a summer camp. And there was a guy named Frank Chandler who was a volunteer. And Frank would, would meet with all of the young boys who'd come to the camp night by night and meet with them one-on-one, hear their story and share the good news. And do you know because of, of Frank... Luis Palau, sitting on a little log out in a campsite, responded in faith and trust to Jesus Christ at 12 years old. And who would have thought that decades later, God would use him for more than 70 years to share the good news with millions of people. It, it wasn't because a preacher came and spoke to his family. It was a business person. It was a volunteer. You see, it's not just a message for Evan or a few people to share on occasion to crowds. This is something for everyone to engage in. And you never know what God's going to do in someone's life. And so as a church where we are in Portland, we're trying to become more um, open and finding opportunities to share the love of Jesus with people. Pre-COVID, we did these summer huge concert outreaches called Good News Today. And in our church, I just challenged everyone like I want to challenge you. If the good news is good, and it's the message of God's rescue in Jesus the Messiah, why are we so scared to talk about him? What's holding us back? If it's really life-giving and life-changing, why would I hold this to myself? And so I I share with our church, look, let's pray that everyone has an opportunity to bring someone to this Good News Today event, and maybe they'll take one step, maybe like you this morning, we'll take one step further in following Jesus. Well, we had a bunch of people in our church take that challenge. I I think of two couples, Jacob and, and Destiny and Jeremy and Audrey, and all four of them following Jesus, their own young families with young kids, but none of them had ever actually engaged in a conversation with someone who is open to talking about Jesus, and it was their heart's desire, but they hadn't found the opportunity. So I encouraged them. I said, look, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Get ready. And when we invite people to respond, I want you to be on that prayer team. We just put pulled together a volunteer prayer team. I said, I want you to be on that team, and I want you to be open. God may bring you to someone and you may have an opportunity, and all four did it. Um, uh, Jacob was so scared, he fasted and prayed for a week. He was he was dreading the moment, but he knew this was something that God was calling him towards. And so he took the challenge. And And by God's grace and how he did it, I have no idea. But all four of my friends in our church had a chance to lead at least one person to follow Jesus. And you would think they got a shot of adrenaline. Jacob was like, Jose! Jose! He had a chance to lead three teenagers, all friends, to faith in Jesus. He was in his 20s, and it was his first opportunity. Friend, it was contagious. And here's the beautiful thing. Since that, I've watched them become more bold and more open and more eyes wide and ready to share with people. Everyone here can share. I think of my own neighborhood. It's not just something that we, Jesus isn't somebody we just talk about in the religious settings. In our neighborhood, we've tried to be a witness. I think of Joseph and Shannon. Uh, We were in houses just across the street from each other. They were uh, living together, two kids around our kids' ages. And so our kids were in school together and we tried to share Jesus with them, have them over for dinner, talk about spiritual things and not really go anywhere. Well, they knew I was a preacher, and that made it a little bit of a challenge, but they decided they wanted to take a step and get married, and they didn't have any church connection, like, hey, would you consider, like, officiating our wedding? I thought, wow, what an honor. Well, I'll I'll do it, but... Um, part of the requirement our local church has in, in in marrying someone is we explain what we think the Bible is talking about when it comes to marriage and what that means. And it opened the door like no other. And I had a chance to share Jesus with them one-on-one and collectively. And did they respond? No. Um, out of love, I officiated their wedding. And did they respond to Christ? No. And we spent a few more years together as neighbors, neighbors, and they would come to church on Easter and Christmas, and they seemed to be interested at times, and then it would pull back. It was weird. I felt like we were making progress, and then it would regress, and it was discouraging, and then they moved away. And, and, and that was, to me, the end of the story until not too long ago, my daughter who's connected with their daughter on social media, they moved out of state, they moved to Texas, and it turns out that they're in a local church and they're following Jesus. And I was so encouraged, you know, sometimes I forget it's not my responsibility to convert someone, it's not my responsibility to force someone, it's my responsibility and my joy to simply share the good news. Jesus came and he's our rescuer and I want to invite you. maybe it's time like like Joseph and Shannon maybe maybe you've been hearing it and hearing it maybe you heard it in another city in another place and now you're hearing it again. I, I would just hope for you that you would would take your next step, whatever that is in following Jesus. So obviously this is something we need to respond to. It's a message we ought to share. And the final thing, and we're going to respond in taking communion together and worshiping and responding to Jesus is the good news, write this down, the good news changes everything. Look at verse nine. For I am the least of the apostles and and don't consider uh, to deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. You see, what kind of people is God looking for? People like Paul. Paul, when he when he experienced the reality of the good news, was as far from a Jesus follower as you can ever become. He was going from town to town persecuting people of the way, helping to put them in jail for, for preaching a false message. But when he encounters Jesus, he receives grace. And friends, this is the heart of the message It's not that Tori became a better person and now is living a better life. It's that she realized she was desperate and in need for a rescuer and found him in Jesus. And so, friends, the rest of 1 Corinthians 15 is going to talk about the resurrection, the resurrection power, the resurrection that happened in Jesus is now going to happen in us. But this message that we've been called to embrace isn't just fire insurance. It's the reality of the resurrected life now, The grace of Jesus to live a Jesus-like life now. And and the grace of Jesus, it does something. So Paul could say, because I received God's grace, I worked harder than anyone else. I I took the claims of Jesus serious. I'm, I'm living the Jesus life with intention. And how does this happen? When you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. God comes and lives in you and so the Holy Spirit begins to change your desires. It doesn't happen in a moment, but I've tracked Tori's life over this last year and it's been wonderful to see the life of the Spirit is now affecting how she sees everything and that's that's good news. Now you still sin, you still stumble, you still live with sometimes regret. You sometimes grieve the Holy Spirit. But we we repent. We come back. The gospel is about all of life. Jesus changing us and bringing us towards our future. Okay, so this is a message that we ought to respond to. It's a, it's a message we ought to share and it's certainly a message that changes all of our life. One last little thought um, before we take our next step in following Jesus. Where does 1 Corinthians 15 sit? This is interesting. Uh, right after a conversation about tongues and prophecy and the Holy Spirit working, he reminds them of the good news. And this is the connection. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is working. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to empower you and empower me to share about God's good rescue in Jesus the Messiah. This is not something we're called to do on our own strength. It's called, we're called to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you and I think about sharing with someone what Jesus has done in us, know this, God's already working in their world. And he's just asking and longing for you to step in and be the voice of what he's already doing. Uh, A quick story, and we'll respond. Um, Not too long ago, we were in our church Sunday morning, and and I, I was about to get up to preach, and I sensed in my own soul a quickening from the Holy Spirit that he wanted to speak a word to someone. And it sounded weird, but I got up, and by faith, I got up, and before I opened my Bible, I said, hey, before we open the text and talk about it, Um, As I was just standing there, I believe that the Holy Spirit may have a word for someone who's really seeking. You're an honest seeker, but you're here and you're getting high. You're you're smoking weed thinking it's going to give you a connection to God because you're not sure if God exists. And you're thinking if you do some sort of some, some thing, it could open yourself up to the reality of who he is. And I just want to tell you, Jesus wants you to know he's real. He's telling you he's real. And you don't need to do that stuff to know him. He already wants to know you. And I was like, okay, that may be weird. And then I opened my Bible and kept going. I'm like, afterwards, if that connected with you, um, just reach out to me. I'd love to hear. By the time I got off the stage, I had a ping, an email on my phone from this guy, Max. I'm going to read you what he wrote. He says, Jose, Jose. I'm quite uncertain of the amount of detail I should go into when trying to explain what happened to me all this week. I'm certain, however, that I was the reason God called you in front of the community this morning to go totally off topic before starting your sermon. So sorry for that. The guy's apologizing that he needed a word from God from your end, it must have been pretty terrifying. From my end, you may as well have said my name. Then he says in quotes, if if God told you that, thanks for keeping it anonymous. So thank you for that. And he gave me his phone number. I immediately reached out. His name's Max. And he's like, Jose, did God tell you my name? And I'm like, no, he didn't. He's like, how did you know? I said, I don't know how I knew, but I, I do know this. God obviously loves you. Tell me your story. He grew up Uh, in a Christian home and went to Christian schools. By the time he went to university, he had abandoned the faith and become a skeptic. He had been smoking weed every day with a bunch of roommates, getting high, getting high. And then he had a dramatic experience while high that freaked him out. And he began to think about his heritage and background and like, oh my gosh, am I opening myself up to something evil? He opened his Bible. He started searching. But he was like, maybe, if I, maybe if, I, if I keep smoking, I can connect with Jesus. And it was a word for him. It was his first time in our church, his first time. We met for a few times. I was able to explain the gospel. He became a follower of Jesus and he was baptized within a month. Praise Jesus. Now, yeah, we ought to give thanks. Now, this is not about me. This is the reminder, the good news is the message of God's rescue through Jesus the Messiah. So two points of response, and I want us to take the next step. You might be here, and it might be an opportunity and a time for you to actually put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's not enough to know the facts about his life. He's trustworthy, and he's inviting you to trust him with your past. Trust him with today. Trust him with your future. He knows your story, and he knows you by name. And out of love, he's calling you close. This morning, will you simply say yes? It's not something that you do. It's something that God does in you when you repent, when you turn to him and say, Jesus, I believe, and I hope that you'll do that this morning. But then for most of us who are here already following Jesus, I'm, I'm wondering if you'll take the next step And committing to share Jesus with one person. Not out of obligation, not because a preacher told you to, but because out of love you've been given the grace of God and now the Spirit lives in you. And so the Spirit wants to live in your friend or your roommate or a family member or a stranger. Will we say yes to be useful? Because we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, you know what? We can say yes And God will use you. You may be like like Jacob and Destiny who have been following Jesus for a long time but have not seen yourself used in helping someone else follow Jesus as well. I pray that for you. Well, I'm going to invite you to do something. If you would, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to respond in worship in just a moment. Let's just take a moment. And God knows where you are. And God loves you where you are. And and God's trying to move you closer through his son Jesus to life in him. And so this morning, if you're here and and you've not yet said, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Absolutely. Come rescue me. What a beautiful morning to do that. The beginning of Easter week, to step into this week and remember what Jesus did for you and what he did for me. I hope that you would do that. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, but your lifestyle has been outside of God's way. We find ourselves in those places at times, don't we? Maybe it's, it's time to come back and say to God what you know to be true. Father, forgive me, for I've, I've sinned. Maybe you've had that kind of week, that kind of month, that kind of season, and it's just a chance for you to experience the grace of God in your life the grace of god that changes the grace of god that forgives the grace of god that restores the grace of god that empowers maybe it's time to receive that grace again we're going to see it in the bread and the cup in a moment or maybe you're just like Jose you know what i've been stirred i want to be i want to be useful that someone might be drawn closer to jesus through my life and i pray that for you So I'm going to pray over you this morning, and then I'm going to invite you to respond publicly out of love, not out of shame. I'm going to invite you to respond in this community and say, you know, that resonates with me. But let's first, let's talk to the Father. Lord, you know us. Today, some of us here, we're just turning to you. And we're we're saying to you, Jesus, we trust you. You know my sin, you know my shame, you know my story, and yet you love me. Jesus, I receive your love. Now come. Give me your Holy Spirit. Show me your way. I want to walk as one of your followers. I want to live as you intended. I want to enjoy your presence, Lord Jesus. Rescue me. That might be you here this morning. your eyes are closed in prayer, open, irrelevant. If that's you and you say, Jose, you know what? You're kind of talking about me. I just love to know who you are. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to simply slip up your hand just so I could see it. And then you're going to put it down. That is all. It's beautiful to say in front of others what we believe in our heart. Jesus, yes, rescue me. One, this is the gift of God. Two, this gift is in His son, Jesus, who died and rose again to save. If that's you, one, two, three. Would you just put up your hand real quick? We say this morning, yeah, over there, over there. Just keep it up for a second. Just keep it up for a second. Awesome. If you're at home watching on the screen, you may not have a hand to raise, but you can talk to the person in your room, or if you're sitting alone, you can talk to someone. Get them on the phone. Let them know what Jesus is doing in you. Lord for the rest of us your people we ask you now empower us afresh this week to share one thing with one person about how good you are Lord we want to be useful so use this Holy Spirit we pray in Jesus' name amen let's respond in worship and then Evan will invite us to the table